Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Suzanne. Welcome to The Courage Effect. So today's show is going to be a little bit different from the format that we've had so far in that I am essentially going to be the guest. I'm going to be having a conversation with all of you about courage. And since I've launched the show a few months ago, a lot of people have asked me, why courage? Why is this the theme that is really important to me? And why have I actually had the passion of creating the show around it? Courage really has been a recurring theme throughout my life, and it's foundational to who I am. So I want to share some stories with you today, maybe a little bit of background about who I am. Um, maybe if you know me, you're going to learn a few new things about me. And for those that don't, you get more insight into what makes me tick. But um, I grew up in California. Now I live in Seattle. I've also lived in New York. So I've lived in a number of different places, which I think has been a big part of who I am and having the courage to move to different places and to want new environments and to grow. And I really believe that a big part of this came from my parents. My parents are from England and they moved to California in the 60s. And they had gotten married, came over, they had met at work. They were introduced by a colleague. So at the same time they were getting married, they decided to make the big move. England wasn't um, economically in the best of places. And they figured why, you know, why not now? So they moved, um, got the apartment, did everything. My sister and I grew up and that sort of pioneering spirit is something that really stuck with me. And it was something that my parents really encouraged myself and my sister to do throughout our lives. So I remember growing up when it was time to go to college and my parents were really encouraging, like, you know, go away, go, go somewhere where you're out on your own. You're not too close to home so that you really are in a space of, you know, staking your own claim and figuring things out for yourself. At the same time, they were being very supportive. They weren't just casting me off. <laughs> so I did end up going to school maybe about a, a half an hour from where I grew up or an hour, not very far, but it was still a little bit of distance. And I think a part of my parents maybe wanted me to go further just again for that broader experience. Um, but there is something to be said about being in a new environment. And I now even call it fresh walls, you know, like I need to be in a new space. I love traveling. I love getting out there. There's a certain amount of risk and courage that goes along with that. And being in a place where you know that you're, you're either putting down roots or you're figuring out how you're going to experience it for yourself. And I, that's something that really stays with me. I like to see the world from other perspectives and not just my own. And I do believe that that really is core to who I am and ultimately core to the show, core to courage. And for me, you know, I, I call myself a partner in courage. And I really live this mission every day through the work that I do at my company, which is called Weller Collaboration, where I partner with leaders as a coach and consultant and facilitator to enhance leadership, to actually help them to grow and to see, you know, what are the things in their lives and in their professional careers that maybe they've done 
their success is wonderful. They've done a lot to get here, but what is it going to take for the next stage of their life? The next chapter, who do you want to be as a leader? How do you want to influence the world and the people that are around you? And this is something that I, I, truly, truly love my work. Every day I get up, you know, in addition to my husband, uh, my family, my community, the things that really get me up, that make me feel good every day, a big part of it is also my work. That's what gets me out of bed. I get to partner with remarkable people. I get to learn every day. I get to hear stories and I get to grow. And that I think is a big inspiration for this show is I hear these fantastic stories every day from people. And sometimes they're, they're really difficult stories. And I know that you've heard some of these on the show and you will continue to, but that is where we as human beings truly realize growth. It's when we go through challenges. It's when we go through unsteadiness that we figure out who we are and what really makes us tick and how can we, how can we develop? So with this conversation today, I'm going to talk a little bit about four main points over the course of this time. First of all is going to be experience and action shapes you. The second is focusing on what we can control. Thirdly, courage is a practice. It's really a collection of many actions, both big and small. And finally, we're going to talk a little bit about regret, our relationship with regret. So let me start by just saying quick definition of what, you know, what, how do I define courage? I know that's a question that I ask a lot of my guests. For me, courage is doing the hard thing and sometimes the unpopular thing. It's knowing that there's risk and moving forward regardless. It's taking a chance and seeing what happens. And as I said, that was a big part of me growing up. My parents really instilled that in me. And through my through my experiences, through the things that I learned from, I think one of them was pretty impactful in my life. And to this day, I think about it every day. And it's because I literally wear it. I wear this experience in the form of a scar. I was in a car accident when I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college. And it we were going out to dinner. It was just me and some friends. We were in a Jeep. And when we were just going down the main drag, a woman was pulling out of a parking lot and hit us and we were all thrown from the vehicle. That was something that, you know, really made me grateful because we all survived a really traumatic experience. But the other thing that I learned was how do you how do you deal with you know circumstances that you don't necessarily have control over? How do you manifest something positive out of something horrible that happens to you? I was an 18-year-old girl. I was, you know, I mean, Southern California. I went to the beach a lot. I was thrown from this Jeep. I had a lot of scars on my body. I had a skin graft done on my leg. And I was really self-conscious about these scars. And at the same time, it was, you know, it was navigating that in my 18-year-old brain. And it was also having to, you know, leave school for a quarter, not being able to, to, you know, I just started. It was literally my first quarter in school. I felt like I had been dealt um, a hand of cards that weren't necessarily fair. But what I was really able to do during that time was to just get through it. I mean, physically get through it, surgeries, physical therapy, learning how to walk again, and also having the having the perspective of seeing my family and the support system that was around me and really helping me through it. Because not only was I going through this experience, but so were they. 
I mean, I, my mother was at all of my physical therapy appointments with me. She was there seeing me go through the pain and there to support me and know that I was loved. And it was always supporting me to know that I could get through it, that I was strong enough to get to the other side. And a big part of it was not just the physical recovery, but also the emotional recovery. And that was about forgiveness. That was about not getting lost in the anger that I was experiencing for the woman that had hit us. That took a while. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, not something that happens overnight. The more that I processed it, the more I realized that anger was taking more of a toll on me than on anybody else. And that's something that in to this day, whenever there's something that's eating me up, I take a pause or I try to take a pause to realize, okay, what is really bothering me right now? What am I mad about? What am I frightened of? What is what's beneath the waterline? So that experience was able to at least give me a little bit more perspective and learning, learning to work through things. And again, didn't happen overnight, but very, very just a massive shift as far as my mindset and knowing where I wanted to focus my energy and my attention. And it wasn't about being worried about scars on my leg. It was about being alive. <laughs> and it was about knowing that I still had days ahead of me. And that was a gift. So while the scars overall, they, you know, they were something that I didn't necessarily want. I actually ultimately ended up really claiming them as a story. I do feel like it helps me to identify who I am. And it tells the story of something horrible that I went through and I got to the other side. So for me, it was about reframing the experience, owning what happened and seeing where I could grow. And, you know, a scar on my leg. Okay. Not necessarily the most attractive thing, but life goes on. I still have a leg. <laughs> I'm really grateful for that. So I want to own what I have been through. I don't want to forget it. It doesn't mean that every day I'm going to be thinking about it, but knowing that it is part of my story and who I am today, I want to make sure that whenever something else comes that I'm able to navigate through that at the same time and that I'm able to survive it and learn from it and grow at the same, grow as a result. So that is the first story. And I want to make sure that we think about experience overall, not just the actions that we take, but the actions that happen to us. These are the things that shape us. Secondly, focusing on what we can control. We live in a very disruptive world. I mean, every day, you know, look at the news. We, we get caught in doom scrolling. I've literally put myself on a news diet so I can only take in so much information because some days it can be really, really hard. And we struggle to manage living through it. The world ultimately really is a mystery. It is, you know, it is full of uncertainty. It is full of incomprehensible things and complexity that we struggle to understand. And as we go through, there's different frameworks to talk about this. Like maybe you've heard of VUCA. VUCA is a shortened phrase for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. This is my change management side coming out right now because <laughs> um, I've done a lot of change management work. We live in this VUCA world, but when as we talk about these words, I like to think about it as why do we even sort of use these words? We are rationalizing or trying to rationalize what's happening in our world. So we use these words to describe it. Every word we use and every concept that we use to describe the world around us ultimately says something about ourselves. 
So these are concepts that are used to describe our difficulties in grasping what's going on. There's a quote from Maya Angelou. If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. I love that quote because it's a matter of really and truly understanding what I have the power to control and change. I am going to muster my courage and I'm going to do my best to get there. But there's also times when I need to understand, I need to have the courage to accept things maybe as they are. How can I change my attitude to be able to process what's going on in the world and do that more effectively and put my energy in a place that's going to be the most worthwhile for myself and for my family, for my community. So courage is one of the things that really allows me to live in this space of possibility, what I have the power to change and what I don't. It's a lot less anxiety and a lot less stress at the end of the day. So I hope that that's a tidbit that you will find valuable. We are going to take a quick break. This is Suzanne. You're listening to The Courage Effect. We will be right back. Job search doesn't have to be painful. Wouldn't it be great if you had someone to guide you through your job search or career exploration? Since 2013, Plum Coaching has provided job search, career coaching, resume, and LinkedIn profile expertise to clients around the world. Plum's coaches are former recruiters who have more than 15 years experience in every type of industry, including tech, real estate, construction, manufacturing, and nonprofit. Their coaches take what they know about hiring and put it in service to their clients. If job search is a challenge, or if you're exploring a new career direction, Plum is here to help. They'll work with you to turn what feels like a slog into an adventure. Visit PlumSeattle.com for details and information on their services. Maybe it's time for a partner like Plum. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne. Thank you for listening. And I am doing a bit of a different format today, continuing with just me, me as the guest. <laughs> and I am giving you a little bit more background on myself and really talking about why courage. So the first two points that I was talking about in the first half of the show were experience and action shape you and focusing on what we can control. And now I want to shift a little bit to talking about courage as a practice. It really is a collection of many actions, regardless of how big or small. I shared a story in the first half about um, being in a car accident and having a story and reframing that to be a powerful imprint on me. Obviously, that's a big story. That's a larger courageous action when you're getting over something along those lines. But it can be the really small day-to-day -day actions that sometimes take a really big amount of courage that we don't necessarily give ourselves credit for them. I'm amazed when I invite people to be on the show and a lot of them say, well, I'm not courageous. You know, I, I don't really, I'm, I'm not a fireman. I'm not, I'm not doing these things where I'm saving lives or I'm, I'm making significant impact on the world. But that's the thing that they're not necessarily recognizing is that every day, how they show up and the smaller actions that they're taking really and truly have a big impact on those around them, on those communities. Um, and individuals. And when people are modeling those behaviors, that is where the cascade happens. That's what's so beautiful is that 
they don't necessarily know that it's happening in the moment, but it's carrying on. And, you know, as Brene Brown says, courage is contagious. So when we're actually stepping into courage, we are encouraging other people to do the same. So a few smaller actions that really stand out for me in my world. I was, what was I? I was in my 20s. I was working at a company and I got a temp job at this company. I really wanted to work there. And I got in the door for two weeks as a, as a temp, which ultimately ended up being nine and a half years of employment at this company. So I got this temp job and I was an executive assistant for one of the presidents. There were two presidents of this organization. So had a great couple of weeks. It was very interesting to learn about him, learn about the larger company. I knew that I wanted to stay there. And on my last day, I had heard that the executive assistant of the other president was leaving the organization. She was moving on. And I thought, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to actually get in front of them and to, you know, get a, get a foothold and really work at this company. So, and by the way, the work that I wanted to do was more along the lines of creativity. I was, I was doing film editing. I was doing digital production. I wanted to be more in the creative side of the business, not necessarily being an executive assistant, but I knew that that could be a foothold. So I printed out a copy of my resume. I had it sitting on the desk. And at the end of the day, I was thanked for my time. And the other president whose assistant was leaving, he, you know, he was in his office and I could see him through the glass. And I thought, okay, this is my chance to go in and to, to say that I'm interested in working for him. And then I started doubting myself. I started getting nervous and worrying about, okay, is this too forward? What is it going to look like if I do this? But literally, it was my last half hour at the organization. I was packing up my stuff to go. And I remember saying, Suzanne, it is now or never. You got to do it. You got to jump in. You will regret this if you don't do it. Take advantage of the moment. So I grabbed my resume, walked into his office, and I said, I am interested in applying for the job of the executive assistant for you. And he said, okay, you know, it's been a good couple of weeks. Let me take a look at your resume. Maybe we can talk about it handed it to him and he reviewed it. And he said, you know, I don't know if this is really the job that you want. <laughs> that was a moment of, oh God, what do I say right now? And I said, you know what? It is not my ideal job, but I really like working at this organization. People are great, passionate about what you do. I would love to be able to contribute in some way. And if that's it, you know, then this is what I would really like to do. But that open and honest conversation was so meaningful to me and powerful that honesty that was another thing that took courage i didn't i didn't lie <laughs> i didn't basically feed him a line um i was honest about what my aspirations were and he said well you know what i know that you bring a lot to the table so let's work together to see if we can find you a role at this company which then turned into six different roles over the course of the next nine and a half years, I actually relocated to New York with this company as well. It opened up so much opportunity for me in just that moment. So I turned my fear of, you know, what is this going to look like? I faced those doubts head on and I did it. I stepped in and that was something that I could have easily just not done. I could have just walked away and regretted. I am so happy that I did it. And along with other opportunities that I had, when there was an opportunity of moving to New York, I actually was the one that created that. I wanted to do it, had a conversation with them about it, 
I mentioned it in a in a conversation with my manager at the time. I remember thinking maybe it's too forward, but he glommed onto it. He loved the idea. So that's the those are the things where courage comes in. Maybe you mention it, maybe you don't. How do we get more comfortable with potentially putting ourselves out there? How do we think more about what's the cost of not doing this? So much of the time we tend to you know, there's a word catastrophize. I really do believe that we do this probably a little bit too much. We tend to think, you know, we, we think worst case scenario, oh my God, I'm going to say this. He's going to think I'm forward. He's going to think that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How can we potentially think about what's the best thing that can happen instead of what's the worst thing that can happen? So in those moments, again, maybe having having a conversation with ourselves, taking a pause and thinking about the risk of not doing something. When we come to milestones in our life, when we think that it's time for a change, how do we potentially make some steps to, to get a better idea of what do we want and what do we need? What do we need to do to make it happen? Maybe it's in the form of you know having that conversation with somebody or mentioning something in a conversation that we're having. How do we make sure that we're adding what we want and we're not just letting those windows pass by? I also want to say that it's important for us to encourage others to do the same because we can speak for ourselves. We can be courageous. And as I said, model that behavior for others. How do we also encourage other people to tap into their bravery at the same time? How do we give them the space to, to bring those uncomfortable or maybe awkward things to us? So Maybe think about also not just how you're doing it, but where are you potentially giving others the space to be able to do that as well? How can we invite bravery and courage in? So smaller practices matter. And this is also maybe sometimes just having a difficult conversation with somebody. This is about maybe um, just speaking for what we really want or standing up for something. If we see something happening that we don't agree with, how do we actually stand in our conviction and our integrity and say something or do something to make a difference? So small actions matter. Third point, I'm going to transition into the fourth point, which is regret. And I like to think of it as our relationship with regret. A lot of us say, you know, I like a lot of people have the mantra, no regrets. I don't necessarily think that's possible. <laughs> um, I do try to minimize regrets in my life, but I, I really welcome the idea of what do I learn from regret? What is one thing in my life that I don't regret? And maybe you can say, ask yourself the same thing. Maybe you didn't speak up. Maybe you didn't take a chance on something. Maybe you didn't spend enough time with someone. Um, I know that's something that really resonates for a lot of us. What are the things in your life? What are the moments that maybe you can reflect a little bit on? How might I have done that differently? Daniel Pink has a book called The Power of Regret. I'm not sure if you've read it. I highly recommend it. He really talks about regret being the lightning rod for us to learn. How do we actually maybe look back and get a better idea of, what we're going to learn from those scenarios, maybe some of the patterns that have happened. You can notice maybe you're, there's a certain fear that you, you know, maybe it's like you want to be light. Maybe you want to be right a lot of the time. Maybe you overspoke. That's the other thing. It's not about not doing something. Maybe you were so aggressive in talking about something and proving that you were right, that you offended people or people don't necessarily want to engage with you anymore. 
if we take some some time to actually reflect and look back, it's pretty remarkable on what we can learn, the patterns that we can expose for ourselves. He actually speaks about Tina Selig, who's a professor of Stanford in the book, and she has something that she does with her students called a failure resume, <laughs> which is a detailed inventory of our flops. Um, so instead of the resume of all of your accomplishments, it's the reverse. And this is not supposed to be an exercise for self-flagellation. It really allows us to involve some disclosure. I think that that's kind of a good way of saying it, but to maybe be an observer about ourselves. How can we look back on mistakes or things that we did from a perspective of not beating ourselves up, but what were the things that were going on that that drove that? How might I how might I go back, see a pattern and change it? And this is a way for us to actually learn from it and not necessarily diminish our mistakes, but how do we take inventory on being something that is valuable? Our mistakes are just as valuable as the things that you know we succeed at. How do we actually learn from them and use that as fuel moving forward? There's so many different things that we talk about. You know, I haven't had this conversation or a misconnection. The if onlys, right? If only I had done this, it would make a difference. Instead of beating ourselves up about it, how might we turn this into an opportunity to learn and to grow? and to change. So I really encourage a reflection practice. I do this myself. How do we look back and say, you know, why did I do something? Why didn't I do something? It's a great opportunity for us to learn more about ourselves and what is actually motivating us at that time. Cause that can also change as well. Certain things that we, that are important to us at, at one point in our lives can really evolve as well. I also like to think of this as an opportunity to let things go. That is also a huge part about courage. <laughs> what are the things that are worth your energy as we were talking about earlier? But also what are what are the things that are essentially baggage? What do we wanna let go of? Anxiety, worry, how can we potentially get more confident in the moment of why we wanna do something or why we don't wanna do something and feeling more at peace and knowing that we're putting our energy in the right place. So let me give a quick wrap up as we're about to close the show on the four points that I had made today. So first of all, experience and action shapes you. It really does become a part of your story. Own that story. Focusing on what we can control. We live in a crazy world. How can we best be as agile as possible to navigate through challenges on our own? And courage is a practice. It's a collection of many practices and many actions every day, big and small, that all add up and everything makes a difference. And how might you look at your relationship with regret? How might you learn from some of the regrets that you've had in the past? Courage really is, it gives us power and it gives us agency and it really matters, again, despite if it's a big or a small act. And this is one of the reasons why I have this show. I wanted to actually have the courage to create this show. So thank you for being here with me and thank you for listening. I really hope that the Courage Effect gives you the opportunity to think about where there might be space for more courage in your life and what might happen as a result. Take care, stay courageous. Thank you for listening.